Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Carlson. The Hurricanes Carlson. beat the Bruins 4-1, the Leafs beat the Caps 5-1. I lost my couple matchup, but we are here for part two of this episode of Keeping Carlson, and we are going to have a lot more fun with Michael Amato from Sportsnet, from Goalie Post. If you haven't listened to part one, you've missed out on all the injuries and outjuries and the effects of those. It's been a really fun chat, and now we are going to dive into some hot streaks and cold streaks. Michael, thanks again for coming on the show, and I'm going to start with a, an easy one, okay? Because all the I kind of feel like I was looking at like who are the hottest players in the NHL right now and it's like all kind of the guys you'd expect them to be like uh, our typical Oilers uh, including by the way Zach Hyman who now is almost like in the same conversation as like your Ryan Nugent Hopkins and like maybe even above your Evander Keynes at this point uh, you know Crosby Aho, Jack Hughes, Kucherov, Barkov, Tage Thompson, Roman Yosey, like uh, Hamilton, like they're all red hot. I, I almost kind of feel like, does it does it feel good to you to just kind of see like the guys you expect to be good, like do well? It almost like it puts me a little bit on edge when like we have to talk about like, why is Crosby not scoring or like, well, we, I don't think we've ever talked about why isn't McDavid not getting a point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, everything seems to be kind of normal in the NHL right now, which is pretty interesting. It's always a good sign when that happens, especially, you know, if you're rostering any of those players. I think, uh, a lot of times, you know, that those, those guys can, can carry your team, right? Like you're relying on them to, to get points regularly. And, you know, I think a lot of times, um, you know, more often than not, that's why you win in fantasy is because, you know, your top guys just go off and, 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 and kind of carry your team. Because yeah, if you're, if you're banking on, you know, everyone on your roster to always kind of produce consistently, it's, it's not going to happen. So you definitely want your, First few picks to, to always be really producing at a high level. Yeah, I think like the highest pick that's turned out to be a really big bust, and I'm kind of doing this off the top of my head, so maybe in the chat or maybe you can tell me if I'm missing someone. But I feel like Jonathan Huberdeau is probably the guy who has picked the highest in, in leagues that's really letting their managers down. I'll bet you if, if Yahoo were to release the stats of like people who drafted Huberdeau and they're like, you know, what percentage of them are like making their fantasy playoffs or like winning championships. I, I'd imagine it's been like super low because he's been such a bust. And Brian and I have already discussed how like we don't really see much reason. Like not that he's going to be terrible. Like he'll probably still like pace for like 60, 70 points, but like nothing close to the hundred plus points that people were drafting him for. Yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely been number one um, for sure. Like he's just been a huge bust. Nothing's clicked. Um, I think he, you know, I just think it's been hard for him to adjust there. Obviously like, Carl Center is a much different coach. Um, it hasn't been going well. Um, so yeah. So it was funny today. Someone someone asked me a question on Twitter. It was like, forget the uh, I forget the other right winger they said, but it was somebody like well below Huberto's status. They were like, who should I add on waivers? This guy or Huberto? And it wasn't like it wasn't like satirical. It was like a legitimate question. I had to actually think about it. Mm-hmm. Is this other guy actually better right now than Jonathan Huberto? I think it might have been uh I think it might have been Josh Anderson or something. And I was just oh, like, wow. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, uh, I, I guess Huberto still he has more upside, but it's not the craziest question. Yeah, and I think I think you're right about Huberto. The other guy I would say was maybe Patrick Kane. Um, oh yeah, he was drafted like uh, probably a little bit behind Huberto, like maybe ten picks or so behind him, but maybe fifteen or whatever. But I think a lot of people thought he'd still, 
you know, pretty much be fine. Um, but the Blackhawks are just uh, hitting a new low. So I don't know if he's going to get traded to a better team, but yeah, that one's not going too well. Either. Yeah, at least he like hopefully wasn't being taken in the first round of, of drafts. Go but on, yeah, so. anyone like, but at least people at least I feel like I'm okay with it because it's like people knew that they were taking a risk because we knew how bad Chicago was looking. So it wasn't like yeah. as it didn't seem like a sure thing. It was like a high upside pick that I probably wouldn't yeah. have taken. And I think a lot of people are like, you know what? Maybe he'll get traded to like the Rangers at the deadline and then for fantasy playoffs, it'll just be amazing. So people are still holding on hope for that. But I think with Huberto, yeah, it's looking more and more like a, a hopeless situation. Yeah, there was a trade in the Keeping Carlson Alto Patron Fantasy League. Uh, like there's like 40 divisions and, and like, you know, Brian, myself and this guy, Kevin Hebert, who's amazing. I like oversee them all. So we kind of see when every trade comes in. And there was Huberto for Ricard Raquel. So not as bad as like for Josh Anderson, but like, you know, it's one of those things where like you sort of notice it quickly because I got Raquel out of free agency like earlier on in the season. Like he had a bit of a slow start. Obviously, he wouldn't be in free agency now in any leagues. Uh, but uh, yeah, it just made me think like, wow, a guy that was drafted in the first round or second round was traded for a guy who I got out of free agency. But at this point, yeah. like, we didn't even consider vetoing it, right? Or like even oh, thinking about it. Yeah, and it's so hard to like it when people ask questions about it too. It's like, you know, part of you says like, how can I honestly tell this person to drop Huberto because it's Jonathan Huberto. He had like 115 points last year because what if, you know, next week he just goes off and starts on this crazy run, but it's, there's just, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. And by the way, another guy on Calgary that I think is, would be reasonable to drop at this point is their presumable starting goaltender going into the year, Jacob Markstrom, another really brutal game for him on Thursday. And then Dan Vladar came in on Friday, picked up a win versus Seattle, who's a pretty high scoring team at this point, And one of the top teams in the West, like, so Jeremy and I were talking about Markstrom on Thursday's short shifts show. And we were kind of suggesting like, you know, if like Vladar has a good game on Friday, I feel like post all-star break, the job should be his like, and then now yeah, it's so up to Markstrom to earn it back. Do you think at this, that this point, like that's how it, it is in like Sutter's mind as well? Like, do you think, Vladar gets the first game out of the break and maybe he has a chance to run as the starter until he falters. He's, he certainly should like, like Vladar hasn't lost in regulation. in I think 13 straight games now, like it's, it should, it should have been Vladar's net for a long time. And Sutter, I know Sutter is super loyal to Markstrom and that's why he keeps going back to Markstrom. But if that Thursday game against the Blackhawks where Markstrom gave up four goals and they lost by one, like that should have been the last straw. You know, if Vladar comes back, like you said, the next night, on a back-to-back, beats a good Seattle team in Seattle, plays really well. Like, yeah, to me, the net should be his right now. But, you know, it's, I don't know. It's Daryl Sutter, I kind of have him in that John Tortorella category, very unpredictable. You know, he he kind of likes to to go with veterans a lot. Um, you know, he doesn't trust young players. So I don't know how much he's going to trust Vlar, but Vlar's flat out been better, um, I think, over the last month, month and a half. And yeah, if it were me, um, I've got Pludar in a league. Like I'm sort of been counting on him. I think uh, that's the guy to have right now if you're going with the Calgary. Building. Okay, but so uh, yeah, definitely. I think at this point, it's a pretty easy advice to say that if people need goaltending in their league, like Vladar is probably somebody you want to grab, like ASAP. He's only 24% roster on Yahoo right now. I think that's going to go up, especially if he gets that next start. I guess the harder question is if you had Markstrom, like. Are you just going to drop him? Because goalies in most fantasy leagues are really hard to come by. But at the same time, he's like, even if he gets a start, he's been blowing you up most of the time. Like I said, this game against Chicago probably gave people negative points. Yeah, that's that's the tricky question. I think it's, I think it comes down to like how much faith do you have in Calgary that they're going to kind of return to 
a strong team, like maybe the team that started the year or the team that closer to the team that uh, was there last year, or are they just going to be this team that's like fighting for a playoff spot? Because if they're that team, then I think Markstrom's not that valuable because like you said, he's really been struggling, but his, and you know, the team hasn't really been able to prop him up as much lately because they don't look as, as strong or as dominant as, as they were um, earlier in the season. So yeah, I, I, for me, I'm really not touching Markstrom. If you've got him, it's a tough one, right? Like that's, that's, that's sort of the, maybe one of the best um, sort of examples of the, the zero G strategy, you know, don't invest in goalies too high because, you obviously get into these situations and one of the things too is like you almost feel attached right you feel attached to the goalies that you draft really high and you don't want to give up on them whether it's like a jack campbell earlier this year or you know a demko or or some of these other guys that were struggling so yeah you can always find different options on the waiver wire so i think if you're in a roster crunch yeah i think i think markstrom is, is probably a drop right now if you need to um but again you know, goalies, like you said, goalies that position where it's it's not as fruitful on the waiver wire. I guess it would depend on on who's out there. You know, if you've got like a, a UPL still out there kicking around, you know, maybe you could take a chance on him. Um, but yeah, not everyone has that. So yeah, I think it also probably depends a bit on where you are in your league standings. Like if you're in first place, sure. and you're, yeah, if you're doing well, then I guess you can ride out Markstrom and just kind of hope and then like be ready to drop him before your fantasy playoffs if he still hasn't bounced back. But yeah, if you need to win now, like I, he does not seem dependable, unfortunately. Uh, but switching over, so Vladar did beat that Seattle team, uh, though he did let in one goal. And that was to Ellie Tolvanen, who is super hot right now on Seattle, still available in a lot of leagues. I wonder if that's going to start drying up soon. Tolvanen's now scored in three straight games. He's up to like eight goals in 15 games, like with Seattle. He's been like a, a such a huge addition. It's pretty wild that Nashville just like, first of all, they never played him. And then they ended up waving him. And like, I can't even think of an example. I don't know if, if you're able to like, has this ever happened before where a player's just been waved and then like, you know, then claimed by another team and then like right away just becomes like one of their top goal scorers. Uh, I can't think about it. I can't think of anyone like that. I remember like not, not a, a score obviously, but like Alex Adelkovich a couple of years ago, but uh, with mm. Carolina, obviously he was a goalie, but yeah, I don't remember somebody from uh, the offensive side doing that. Yeah. He's looked, he's looked really good. And for a while there, like there weren't many forwards on uh, the crack and you couldn't find a spot for him in the roster. Like even Daniel Sprong and his like, 10 minutes a night was really producing a lot of offense and they were scoring a lot of goals as a whole, you know, as a team. So I don't know. Yeah. I think you could definitely give him a shot. Um, I just feel like he is probably more of a, I feel like he, he's probably more of a streamer than a guy that you kind of want to hold. Like I feel like he's fair. a good three games and then probably goes quiet for two or three and then he picks it back up. So, you know, again, I think it, you mentioned uh, sort of talk about the flames. Like if you're in a, in the top position of your league and you can afford to maybe, take a bit more risk like maybe that's somebody you just take a chance on um if you have a roster spot and see what he does um yeah i guess too if you're you know you're fighting for a playoff spot in in your league too and you're you're looking for offense he's also someone to consider so yeah i think you you know if you're not giving up anybody significant for him and it's just a injury replacement why not you know nothing injured nothing new yeah. And hey, like Seattle actually has one of the better schedules next week. They don't play at all. Like most people are in these like Yahoo two week matchups 
coming up, like two weeks for one matchup, I should say. And uh, Seattle doesn't play at all in those first three days before the break, but then they have four games in the second week and like not on Saturday, which is a busy day. So you're guaranteed to like actually be able to fit in those four games. So now would be a good time to grab Tolvanen. He's been playing on a line with Gourd and Bjorkstrand. Who like also like I feel like Seattle has a bunch of guys that like for a team I I did this show called the Matchup Maximizer I kind of looked at the schedules and and dove into it I was kind of like Seattle has like every forward is under fifty percent rostered on Yahoo so you probably depending on how deep your league is have your pick of a few of these guys and they all are kind of interesting you know this Bjorkstrand Gourd Tolvanen I can see that line getting a goal like Eberly McCann Wenberg in a deeper league Burkowski <laughs> like you know there's there's lots of options there so yeah Tol- Tolvanen's definitely jumping out though and I think it's a I'd I'd love to hear an interview with him like have they played Na- uh nashville yet so that, that'll be a really fun game when you... <laughs> let me check see qu- check the game log really quickly yeah nashville's not coming up that'll be really fun when he plays his first game especially like a, a road game in nashville but okay I- i'm gonna circle that on the calendar yeah you mentioned bjorkstrand too like that's another guy that I-, I i haven't checked lately but i i remember his shooting percentage being like crazy low for what his sort of career average was i feel like he's a guy that is also poised to break out too but just tough to roster. He hasn't really just like. Well, actually, well, no, it's a, a good call. He has four points in his last three games. He had two goals against the Canucks, uh, for whatever that's worth, and then he had an assist in each of his last couple of games. Maybe also for what it's worth versus Calgary and uh, and Markstrom and then Columbus. Uh, but yeah, he he has been taking a lot of shots. Yeah, Oliver Bjorkstrand, another guy. If if again, like Seattle has a good schedule, so stream in Bjorkstrand or Tolvanen, maybe flip a coin, and then maybe they do turn into a hold. Maybe not, but you'll at least get a, a good number of games in the short term. Yeah, I guess let's switch to some D now. So Drew Doughty was having a pretty meh season overall, but he now has nine points in his last nine games. I'm curious to know is like, do you think Drew Doughty is back and is going to be like super valuable in the second half of the year? Uh, like he's never been someone like it's funny he has a reputation as being like a really awesome like offensive defenseman I feel like he had that one year I guess it wasn't even the year they won the north like he had like 60 points way back in 2017-18 since then he's never broken 50 Uh, I guess he did pace for 65 last season but he missed a lot of times he had 31 points in 39 games Uh, right now he's pacing for 50 but like pacing for 82 over the last nine games like I said so just curious to get your take he is the top power play guy on LA uh, you know, Fiala's there now, Kovatar, like maybe, Kovatar, I, mean, I should finish that sentence, Kovatar's doing well again. Uh, so do you think that uh, like Dowdy is poised to maybe put up one of his better offensive seasons of his career? Like his his hot, best ever is 60, like I said, and currently he's pacing for 50, but, you know, trending higher than that. I can see him getting maybe, you know, 50 plus. Again, I don't know if he hits, maybe getting closer to 60, but yeah, I, I kind of like you said, I don't view him anymore as like the super offensive guy. I think he's just sort of like a, a solid player. Um, I think his fantasy stock dropped a lot uh, in the last few years. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's an interesting guy. I wondered too about him. Like uh, I know Sean Dursey last year had a ton of power play points. Um, I wondered if that would even kind of eat into Dowdy's time a bit and steal some of those power play points from him um, on that second unit. But yeah, I think with Dowdy and the Kings, I don't view him as a huge point producer. I think he's, it's kind of funny, right? Like, and it's, you know, 60 points is like really good for defense. But I almost think like over the last couple of years, it just doesn't look as great when you have you know, guys like Yossi almost touching a hundred, you know, Makar just cruising to 80 points, Fox, Hedman getting 80, right? Like it almost feels like 60 is just kind of like an okay season now, sometimes for a defenseman when, you know, it's actually pretty strong, but yeah, I think um, some of the other stuff he provides obviously still plays a lot of minutes and, and, and stuff like that. So 
yeah, I, you know, it's great if he can get close to 60, if he hasn't done that in five or six years, like I think that's a, it's easy. Yeah. LA is like looking good this year. I think, especially when they don't play Jonathan quick in net, when they've been playing Copley, yeah. they've been looking like a good team. Yeah. That's, that's a team that needed a goalie big time. Like I, they're a really strong team and they just couldn't get a save earlier. And I, I wondered if they were going to be in the trade market. Hopefully he's kind of quieted that down. Right? Yeah. But would you, like, if you were running the Kings, would you trade for a goalie or would you be okay? Like, take, cause this is a team that's probably going to make the playoffs, like could potentially go on a run. Like they have a lot of strong players. They have three good lines. Like they're, they've been running Byfield on the top line with Kopitar and campaign. That's been going pretty well. And then, you know, Arvidsson to know, and, and normally it's Trevor Moore. I, don't, I haven't heard anything about Trevor Moore in like a million years. I hope he's okay. Uh, but yeah, then like, but theoretically, if Moore is there, then they could have a I follow and Fiala on the on the third line with like Lazat. Like I don't know, it seems like this could be a pretty stacked team. Then yeah, like Dowdy, Jersey, whatever on D. It's just a matter of goaltending. So yeah, what what would you do? Would would you trade for someone, or would you be okay with uh, riding out Copley? I, I probably I, I would try to trade for someone. I mean, I wouldn't be super confident. In, like Copley's been great, but for the most part, but like I, yeah, I would not trust him like in a first round series against like the Oilers or something like that, but. Right. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I guess, how do you fit him in, right? Then are you, like, are you sending Copley back down? Because I don't think you're sending, like, Jonathan Quick down. Or, or are you waving Jonathan Quick? Like, I don't know how you're you going to have, you're going to have, like, uh, I forget what Quick's contract is, but you're going to have, like, $10 million in, in goaltending between him and Peterson, like, in the AHL. I don't know how that's, yeah, I don't even know how that would work. But, yeah, for me, though, it almost, like, I kind of think like there was a small window there where like maybe anti Ranta was available, but now it feels like he's probably not available because um, they don't really trust the uh, you know, Anderson's injury history. I don't know that there's that many good goalies available, right? Like there was talk about uh, like Montembeau, but it sounds like Montreal really likes him, wants to keep him. Um, you know, so I don't know who's out there. Like Corpus Allen, like is that really an upgrade? Like I don't know. I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. Like maybe John Gibson, but that's how are you gonna do that with the cap? Like I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think there's, and I don't know if we'll see a lot of goalie movement at the deadline. Like, I'm not sure that many teams that are in contending spots need a goalie. Like, I think maybe Pittsburgh might be one, surprisingly, given just like Jari's injuries this year and dismiss playing pretty poorly. Like, I think they could be in the market for somebody. But yeah, there's not a lot of teams out there. I think I need a goalie that are in playoff spots. Yeah. Like, uh, Shams is saying maybe Reimer could be someone. Yeah. That's not the guy. But still, like it, it, it you're, you make a good point about how are they going to fit him in, and like I assume they can't even trade quick. Uh, maybe quick would actually maybe quick waves is no trade clause. Uh, who knows? Anyways, whatever. We don't need to speculate. Okay, one guy <laughs> I do, uh, do want to ask you about though on LA. I just dropped him. Maybe at this point, like I'm just like behind the times, and like everyone's already been doing this, so you can just be like, maybe it's not even that interesting to me. But Victor Arvidsson was having a pretty good season. Like he was up to like 30, what was it? He was at 33 points in 40 games, uh, like 40 games in. That's like a really strong pace. It's like a 65-ish pace, uh, but he's just totally disappeared recently. Only one point in his last seven games. That was a shorthanded goal, which is cool and good, but also not a very common thing to happen. So as far as like in regular situations, uh, Arvidsson doing nothing. He did have four shots in that last game versus Tampa Bay, but nothing went in. Uh, I just dropped him. LA doesn't have a great schedule. Like they play just one game next week uh, on the Tuesday, I think it is. And then not again until the following Saturday, kind of like Ottawa's schedule. So I don't know. Do you, uh, could, I, don't, I guess I, I'm not looking for like a- affirmation that I did, but like more for the, the listeners. Do they also have permission from Michael Amato to dump uh, Victor Arvidsson? Well, you definitely don't need my permission, but I think I would be safe to drop him. I think he's like a boomer bus player. I think sometimes when you look at his like, 
full season stats, like they're kind of misleading. Like it looks kind of good overall, but then if you look at sometimes his game log, it's like, oh, he had like a three point night with six shots, and then he didn't score for like the games, right? And then it's kind of like another game where he has like six shots and an assist, and then he goes quiet again. So like for me, I always look at him as more of like a a guy I like to stream. Like if I'm down in my matchup on the weekend, I know he could potentially hit for like a big big shooting game and a big point game. Um, but yeah, I don't find he's like super consistent. So that's kind of the category I put him in. Um, kind of like I was talking about with like Colvin and earlier, but I think Arvidsson's obviously a uh, higher level than that. Um, but yeah, I think when not he's lately. going, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, not lately, but yeah, overall, I just view him like that. So I think, I don't know. I, I definitely don't think it's crazy to drop him. Not a must hold. Okay. Yeah. So you could drop him, maybe stream him back in when LA has a good schedule. If someone else grabs him, you don't have to be too, too worried. He's not on the top power play, right? I remember when he first went to LA, I thought it was going to be really exciting to see him there with, with Kopitar, but he quickly was moved away from Kopitar at even strength and now even on the power play. Uh, okay. But anyways, we started by talking about a defenseman, Drew Doughty. I wanted to bring up another defenseman who keeps on like bouncing between being totally useless and then super hot. And that's Cam Fowler in Anaheim. And like in fantasy, it's rare to find like a top power play defenseman available on the waiver wire. But Fowler, I'm sure is available in like the large majority of leagues. And for good reason, he went through a stretch of like, what was it? Three assists in 15 games or something. Uh, But he was hot earlier in the year, like back around the end of November. And then he's been hot lately. Like Anaheim's been scoring a lot of goals and he had a two assist game versus Colorado. He had two goals and assists versus Arizona. Uh, of course, yesterday versus Arizona, no one was able to get much of anything behind uh, Connor Ingram, who I was like so like devastated. You know, if they would have played Vemelka, I would have won my matchup. But anyways, that's a whole and and like Vemelka, okay, coming off a shutout. Uh, Arizona doesn't play again for a long time. Like, why not just get? But again, I think they're tanking. But now even I can't even blame them for trying to tank because Vemelka had a, or Ingram had a good game. Anyways, I, I'm off ranting again. Um, but oh yeah, I was talking about Cam Fowler. So anyway, Fowler is, is doing good again. Is he someone that you're interested in? Or is this like for sure, like if you add Cam Fowler, it, he's just going to go back to being cold and you could probably do better, even with like a Jake Sanderson, like we talked about before. Like John Klingberg actually is someone who obviously people were excited to draft. And then he's had a nothing year so far. He actually had two assists for the two goals Anaheim scored versus Arizona yesterday. Um, but like, is like Fowler and like Klingberg kind of in the same category as you? Or is Fowler actually someone that you're interested in? Well, it's funny you mentioned that uh, that late November streak you had because there was a reader that kept bugging me like to add him to one of my thoughts columns. And I kept saying, like, it's Cam Fowler. Like, what are you talking about? And I just kept looking and he just kept putting up points and points. So finally, I wrote about him and then he sort of went cold after. But um, yeah, he's on another good run, I guess. And, you know, I think, too, with you mentioned Klingberg. Yeah, they're kind of in the, in the same boat for me. Um, I feel like the Ducks probably should be featuring Klingberg the most. Like I feel like that's a guy that they're absolutely going to trade to uh, at the deadline. I would think he's on a one-year deal. Um, they're probably going to try and get something back for him. So that's a guy I would try to be prop up. But I think Fowler's just played better than Klingberg for most of the year, especially on the power So that's why he keeps getting that spot. So yeah, I don't know. I think uh, it's another one where, you know, you just ride the wave while it lasts. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's, it's going to come back. I think the Ducks might have four games in that second week too of the matchup. Yeah. So he's definitely got a good schedule. Um, so yeah, if you are going to take a chance, uh, this might be a good time. Yeah. So if you need D we've thrown out a couple of options that might be available to you right now. Uh, let, you know what, actually Mike, maybe I could take a quick break from talking about all this stuff. I keep on ranting about my fantasy. How, how are you doing in your uh, fantasy leagues? How many, I'd be, I'm curious to know how many leagues are you in at this point? So I'm not in that many. I'm, I'm a guy that only plays in a couple. Um, I don't like, 
point. I have one main one that I've been doing with like some family and friends for like probably 15 years now. Oh, wow. Something like that. So it's a long one that we've, it's pretty competitive. It's a keeper. We have like kind of categories, um, which I play with in another one with some other folks that I know. But yeah, I don't like playing in that many just because I feel like I kind of like kind of keeping tabs on my players. And I feel like if I'm in like eight or nine leagues, I just, I basically have every player and I'm playing against every player. So like every goal I get also hurts me in another league. And it's like not even fun to keep tabs on. So I don't know. Um, I, but yeah, the, the main one I play in, um, there's 14 teams. I'm fourth right now. I'm pretty good. I basically salvaged my season with some kind of crafty waiver wire goaltending shifting. Um, I definitely went with the, um, the zero G strategy. I took goalies with um, three of my final four picks in a 16 round draft. So I, I ended up going Forsberg, as I mentioned earlier, it was just okay. And then I took gambles with my last two picks on Grubauer and Cal Peterson. Ouch. I can tell, and they lasted about six days on my roster. But luckily, um, somebody dropped Jeremy Swayman when Allmark was really good. So I scooped him. I was able to grab Kachekov uh, for two months. So he carried me. And then I had Aiden Hill for a while, who was really good. And then when Hill sort of slumped, I just grabbed uh, Frank Kuz. And now I dropped Kachekov for Vladar. So I'm in a pretty good spot. I've kind of settled that down because that was pretty tumultuous there for the first couple of weeks. But yeah, I find uh, I kind of prefer to just wait to see who the strong teams are and who the good goalies are before I, instead of spending sort of like a fourth or fifth round pick on a, on like a Jack Campbell. No, it definitely makes sense. And it sounds like it worked out really well for you. As long as you're going to be like keen and watch, you know, what's going on and jump yeah. on anyone who has a chance. Like Vladar might end up being like a really great hold or maybe Markstrom comes back, you know, a whole new guy. And then you'll have to watch for the next available player to to show up. That's it. Yeah. I, I say you have to, it's, I call it like you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable if you're going to mm-hmm. do that, because there's going to be some weeks where you're just kind of piecing it together. But if you keep tabs on it, um, you can usually figure it out. And I always like every summer, I kind of do a little brainstorming thing and I, and I've sort of made it into an article the last few summers, like who's going to be the next, you know, Billy Huso from, from last year, who's going to be the next Alex and from two years ago. So like this year I had like, you know, Pietro Kachekov was on the list, like Daniel Tarasov, a couple others. So I kind of try and kind of identify those guys in the summer who, you know, could be an injury away from having major value. And as soon as you sort of see that, oh, Frederick Anderson has left the game with a lower body injury, you know, you immediately add Kachekov on waivers mm-hmm. and, you know, you hope for the best. So yeah, it works out. I think, um, I think too, there's like so much unpredictability with goalies, right? Like to, like who, who would have thought like all that been this dominant, right? Like, I think most people probably drafted Swayman before they drafted him this year um, in a lot of leagues. So, uh, you know, it's hard to really tell when you draft. Do I find that's the most unpredictable? Yeah, and plus, while you you know use these late picks for goalies, that also means you're getting to enjoy all of your high pick skaters yeah. that hopefully were hits. Exactly, and, and you know we were talking about Markstrom. You know, when you draft like a Cal Peterson, you have absolutely zero attachment, to him, right? Like, oh, you know, if he has two bad games, it's gone, right? Like. No, I don't care less, right? Whereas you have, you have Markstrom, you're like, oh man, I don't want to give up on Markstrom. Like I drafted him in the fifth round or whatever. So yeah, sometimes it's easier mentally too. That way. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, great to hear that you're doing well. Fourth out of 14, pretty good. Uh, better than how I'm doing in my couple division this year. But uh, I, I'm in a couple, I like to tell you because I, I like whine about this league, but I'm in a couple other leagues. I'm in three. So I'm also like you, I don't want to be in two too many. I've got three solid leagues, 
two of them I'm doing well in, so I should be happy. But of course, uh, being a perfectionist, sometimes it's, you know you want to do well in everything. Uh, but anyways, I still got a few more hot and cold streaks I want to get to. So we'll we'll finish off the show here in just a sec with with some more interesting players that you may want to check if they're available on your waiver wires. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back in overtime as we're calling it uh so i guess the first episode we had the first and second periods we just did the third we're still tied so we're going to talk about some more uh, hot and cold streaks here with michael amato from goalie post and sportsnet uh, who you should definitely be following uh for like good fantasy tips all throughout the week and also if you're following goalie post you get to find out all the goalie starts which is very handy uh but yeah let's go back okay i i mentioned when i was going into the break that i'm going to talk about some guys that you may want to add but i guess here's someone who probably isn't available in a lot of leagues, but it's still very interesting. Carter Verhage really doing well on Florida right now. He has 10 points in his last eight games and he's not playing with Alex Barkov. Of course, now they have Matthew Kachuk, who is like maybe almost just as good as playing with as uh, Barkov or maybe better. Uh, so yeah, this line of Verhage, Kachuk and Sam Bennett have been doing really well together. And then also the other line of Barkov, Reinhardt and Anton Lundell has been cruising, which makes things very interesting because word is that Anthony Duclair is going to be back post all-star break. And if you recall last year, the Panthers had a lot of success with Barkov for Hagi and Duclair. Uh, so I'm wondering now if if everything is going well for Florida and this top six is rolling. I guess Lundell is the most eligible for Duclair to just bump him. Uh, so is is that what you think is going to happen? Or do you think Duclair is going to come back and maybe have to spend some time in the bottom six? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It feels like Florida was was like tinkering all season trying to find the right combination. Um, and as you said, I think like this has been the most optimal for them. Like Lundell has actually been playing pretty well. Um, since he moved up there, like I, I think he's the last couple of games he didn't have a point, but he had like a good, I want to say like four or five game points point streak before that. Um, maybe the biggest notable thing is like Sam Reinhardt just sort of took off when they changed these lines to like he was had a pretty slow start to the season. Um, and for the last sort of 12 or 13 games, like he's been really clicking out of good things too. So yeah, I'm really interested to see what they do with Declare. I think you're right, Lundell's probably the obvious switch because he could also look center third line. Like he could play center two. He could just move down easily. Um, but yeah, it's going so well right now. I wonder if they just don't mess with it because um, they had a lot of guys earlier in the year that were just kind of not producing anywhere close to what they did last year. And now there's a lot of them that are clicking really well. So we'll see what they do, but yeah, declare would uh, definitely be an interesting um, one to consider if he's, if he's still sitting on your fire right now. Yeah, I think with Duclair, if you can grab him now, because word is he's going to be back after the All-Star break, grab him, stash him in your IR, but maybe like don't activate him. Like don't drop someone to activate him right away. You know, a lot of leagues like on, on Yahoo, you can just uh, sort of leave the person in your IR and as long as you don't make any ads. So I'd like wait a couple games if you can, see how things are shaking out. And then yeah, Lundell did have an assist in his last game. So he did break that short little like two game pointless streak. So yeah, it would be surprising to see him bumped, but also if Duclair does get up there, that could be really good. For him. We've seen him be super valuable for stretches when he's playing with Barkov before, and obviously they have chemistry. Uh, over in Minnesota, I want to go next. Let's go to a cold streak now. Sam Steele was someone who for a while I had been saying, like, why is no one adding Sam Steele? who was super low va- percent rostered on Yahoo, but continuously putting up points and in such a good spot on that top line with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. But I guess he's shown me why people weren't clamoring to Adam because all of a sudden he's gone pointless in six games. Uh, I'd imagine he's starting to get dropped in a lot of leagues. So I guess the question is like, 
maybe we can say, hey, now's the time. You have your opportunity to get the sneaky ad of a top line player just happens to be cold. Or maybe Michael will say more like maybe now is the point where he's showing himself to be vulnerable to potentially finally being bumped from that top line. If you recall, Ryan Hartman was there last year and did really, really well. And then this year, Hartman wasn't able to stick. And Hartman actually recently was in trouble with his coach. He got scratched for a game because I guess he took a bad penalty or something. But who knows if maybe the coach feels like Hartman's not only learned enough from his uh, scratch to get back in the lineup, but maybe to get another shot on the top line since Steele hasn't been producing lately. Yeah, I am one of those people that need the answer to this question because I have Sam Steele and I've been debating what to do with him too for a couple of games. Um, my main league that I have been uh, counts face-offs though, so he's a bit more valuable there because he's, he's still producing well there, so I can kind of live without the points for a little bit, but not too much longer. Yeah, I was singing his praises too because I, I remember, like you said, he was really clicking and he was still like 2% owned uh, for a long time. And yeah, I think anybody in that spot between uh, Brizov and Zuccarello, you're going to want to have on your roster. Like, I can't imagine if he stays there, he's going to stay cold for long. Um, I think the risk is at this point, you mentioned Hartman, you know, no points in six games for Steel. How long are they going to wait? You know, it's not like this is some like bonafide veteran on a super contract that they're not going to bump down the lineup. I think if he starts struggling, they could easily shift Steel down. Um, but that line's been pretty good overall. So maybe they'll give another game or two. But yeah, you know, there's. I know they're, they've tried a lot of different centermen with them earlier this year when Hartman was down. I think uh, Frederick Goudreau was up there for a bit. So maybe they can go back to him. For some reason, they never put um, Yoel Eriksson up with them. So I don't think he's going up. But yeah, Hartman could be a candidate as well. So it's interesting. Um, I might give Steele like another game or two. And then, yeah, if he's cold, you're in a points league, you might have to drop. Because, yeah, I could see a change coming there. Yeah, like you look at Kaprizov and you see, oh, he has seven points in his last five games. He's cruising, so obviously everything's fine. But six of those points are on the power play. So things are going very well yeah. for Minnesota on the power play, but it doesn't seem like things are happening at even strength. So maybe it is time for a switch up. Yeah, it's definitely possible too. Like, I, yeah, I could see Hartman, like maybe he gets that one last shot. You know, he took his healthy scratch. Uh, maybe they gave him another chance there. Because, yeah, he's he's been a guy that, you know, um, I know we talked earlier about Huberto and uh, Kane being kind of busts and, I know, you know, Hartman's not on, on that level, but I think in multi-cat leagues, he's kind of a darling for just like, he got, you know, 30 goals last year and 60 points and he's great on face-offs and hits and penalty minutes. And, you know, this year with the injury and he's, uh, I think he's got only like one. It's been pretty rough to roster. So maybe that's sort of his last chance to, to salvage a season. Yeah, so something for people to definitely watch and if Hartman's available to you. And if, and again, this is a lot of like ifs, but just keep well, an eye out. Here. Uh, and who knows, maybe also Minnesota tries to trade for a center at the deadline. They could definitely use one. I'm looking at like the available UFA, like pending UFA centers. I guess the biggest name is Bo Horvat. That would be so crazy huge. I don't know if that's in the cards, but I'm already like imagining because of like, be, yeah. Yeah, it'd be incredible. Like it's funny because when people talk about Horvat, they're always like, Oh, he'd be a great fit on this team. Like he'd be a great fit on any team, right? Like a center, he could pretty much play on and like anywhere in the top six. Like he's so talented. Yeah, Minnesota. Uh, obviously be uh, really uh, will really benefit from that would really bump up their team. 
Yeah. And like, I feel like a lot of these trades that happen at the deadline, I think we start, it's important to start priming for this. Like a lot of people get really excited about any player that gets traded and starts like jumping on them. But like, it's like history has shown that usually like these players that get traded at the deadline don't like improve in their fantasy value for the most part. And sometimes even go down. It's like a new situation. They have to build chemistry. Uh, but I think anyone who gets traded to Minnesota, who's a center, you need to jump on right away. Cause that's just such a plum spot. Like Sam Steele like, was barely getting ice time on Anaheim. And now he was like, like half point per game, even like more than that first stretch uh, like you know like jonathan taves for example imagine if they even get him like that would probably boost him so actually i have two possible segues i want to use now i could stay on minnesota or i could go to another uh unheralded center who's now somewhat become interesting on a different team but okay i'll stick on minnesota first uh matt boldy I, I talked about how kaprizov has all these points in the power play recently matt boldy's been there as well and he's joining in he has seven points in his last five games i want to just i need you to like slap me across the face basically michael because like going into the season in my keeper league i kept evgeny kuznetsov and let matt boldy go back into the draft it was like a keep eight so i figured you know like boldy obviously in a dynasty league is like you, you want to hold him for sure but i figured like okay it's only year two you know Yala's gone. Like, who's Boldy even going to play with? Like, how good could he really be compared to like a Kuznetsov? And now I'm like really kicking myself. I just want to know how badly did I blow this one? Uh, keeping a, uh, a guy who uh, now like is hard hard to roster even versus a Boldy who might be a superstar for like years to come. Yeah, should have kept him. Should have kept him. I'll say with my uh, my hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, yeah, you never know. Like, it's 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 hard to predict with, with some of those guys, especially you know Boldy. Um, kind of like not super experienced yet it would be easy for him to and we, i think we saw with like lucas raymond kind of going on a bit of a slide this year you wanted to boldy might go on a similar route but yeah he looks really good um and he and i think the wild kind of locked him up to that contract was probably pretty smart too because it, it feels like um you know he could have probably gone oh you know obviously really early you know, it feels like they just wanted to be proactive and get him locked in at a reasonable number with the cap going up because they probably project he's going to be a pretty elite player. So, yeah, he, he looks really good right now. Um, but he's probably his best seasons are still probably a couple years away. But, yeah, I would probably rather have Boldy than Kuznetsov right now, even though, like, you know, with without Backstrom this year, I could see the logic. Like, Kuznetsov was going to play with Ovechkin, and, you know, it seemed like a really good, good option there. But, yeah, I just... Uh, and Kuznetsov was coming off a really strong year too. So like I, I can see the the logic here. But yeah, somehow Boldy playing with like uh, Marcus Felino and Frederick Boudreau lately is kind of obviously taking advantage of some power play players. But yeah, he seems to produce kind of wherever they put him in the lineup. So he looks really good. Yeah, and obviously that uh, top power play is turning into like a super plump spot. One of the best in the league. Somehow Kalen Addison is there and is like the only person on that power play who doesn't seem to be worth rostering in fantasy. I guess he just very quickly dishes it to someone. And then usually a couple more people touch the puck before they put it in the net. Like he has what in this stretch where Kaprizov has six power play points, I'm seeing that Addison has one power play point. And like, he's the guy he's right there. He's like supposed to start the play. So I guess it's just, I, I need to watch more Minnesota wild games. I guess to see how these, this power play is actually shaking out for how he gets so few points, but okay. The center I wanted to talk about on a different team who's starting to break out a little bit is Cody glass over in Nashville. Uh, all of a sudden he's the latest guy on Nashville to get a shot on the top line with Forsberg and Duchesne. We've seen uh Parson in there. We've seen this guy, Thomas Novak there, uh, but now it's Cody glass. He's been there for a few games now and it's, 
looking pretty good. It looked good for those other guys, though, also. So I don't want to say this is a sure thing, but like Glass is someone with a really high pedigree. He was drafted in the first round way back by Vegas. He now has four points in his last three games. He had seven shots in the game versus Winnipeg. So uh, I don't know, like maybe in the same conversation as like a Tolvanen type, like uh, is Cody Glass someone that you're interested in and you've been rushing to you know take a chance on, take a flyer on? Or do you think this is for sure something that's not going to last and you'd rather go for someone with higher upside? Yeah, I can't say I've been rushing to Adam, but he's definitely interesting. Um, like you said, they've been trying a lot of different options there and everyone looked great at the beginning and they've kind of fallen off. And I just think with, with Nashville uh, in general, like they, they had so many guys last season that just like everything went right for and everything went in and everyone had sort of like inflated shooting percentages. And I think now like they've just all come back down to earth quite a bit. Um, so I don't think somebody like glass is probably a long-term ad, but yeah, like a stream, like, like in the Tolvan in vein. Sure. Um, he's clicking right now. Why not? Why not risk, especially if that shot total, he can keep somewhere around there. That's pretty, that's pretty good one. Yeah. So I, I want to give people, you know, some uh, options, uh, hard to say which ones will hit, but uh, at least one of these uh, lower rostered guys, I guess Kirill Marchenko was another one we mentioned earlier. Someone you're going to end up thinking back and like, oh man, Keeping Carlson told me uh, with Michael, <laughs> told me to get this guy. Of course, And you'll hopefully just forget all the guys that we mentioned that ended up not, not doing much of anything. We're just reporters here. We're telling you who's hot at the moment. I should also mention Tanner Janot on Nashville has goals in two straight. Generally, he's been like, like a lot of people were drafting him, expecting him to score as much as he did last year. It was a very inflated shooting percentage uh, he's you know crashed hard a little bit like which you can't expect a third line guy like him to produce that much but hey goals in two straight so i guess i've kind of tipped my hand on my opinion but do you think there's a chance he can get back to his 2021 22 ways in the second half of the year no i don't i don't think he gets back to anywhere close than that um yeah i think obviously in leagues that uh that count hits like he was a he's a trendy pick for sure i'm um, just going to last year but yeah a lot of people are calling him like uh the poor man's Brady Kachuk there for a while but yeah it doesn't uh, yeah i mean brady kachuk gets uh, a bit better deployment and is also a bit of a higher pedigree for sure um i don't know like i i guess i should mention this logo couture i already have a question here and it killed me uh i told you i wouldn't talk about this anymore but couture what a game right two goals three assists in the 6-4 win over pittsburgh he's another guy that might be available at the trade deadline right if the sharks decide to sell uh that would be a good uh spot for him also on minnesota with caprizov and zuccarello Anyway, I don't know. Like, what do we do at this point? Let's say the Sharks don't move Couture because I don't think he's the main, like the main name that people are talking about is like Timo Meyer, right? Because he's a UFA or even like Eric Carlson, people have been talking about, even though he still has a lot of years left. Maybe now's a good time to try to sell and get out of that contract while he's like one of the best D in the league still. Uh, But like, do you think that now if you have Logan Couture, is this like the perfect time going into the all-star break for you to try to like pawn him off in your fantasy league coming off a huge game potentially the sharks will move timo meyer can't imagine couture is going to have a lot of great guys to play with uh, once the trade deadline is over time to try and see what you can get for him um yeah he doesn't have like a super high ceiling either right i kind of view him as just like a very you know exactly what you're going to get from him every year um so yeah he's kind of going better like like the way he is sort of lately it's probably a good time to, to move him because yeah like you got to think Meyer is going to be dealt, right? I, I thought I heard they were even going to allow uh, teams to talk to him about a, an extension like before they dealt, they traded for him. So that kind of tells you he's, he's probably gone. Um, you never you never know 100%, but yeah, I would imagine um, if you can get something pretty good right now, um, it's probably a good bet to do it. Yeah, so someone to see. Obviously, like don't give him away for peanuts, but 
Couture's also been someone that has like crashed hard in previous years in fantasy. I remember it was a couple seasons ago where he had like a like almost point per game in the first half and then totally disappeared. I think it came out that he had an injury, so maybe that's not going to be the same situation here. Hopefully, he's like fully healthy. He definitely seemed healthy in that game versus Pittsburgh, though it was against Casey DeSmith, who is quickly proving to be a very unreliable goalie for the Pens. Uh, but yeah, Couture. Probably, yeah. I think now is like a, a key, like maybe it's like too obvious almost as a sell high, but maybe you like throw him in as a add-in on an already big trade to put it over the top. I don't know. I'd be interested. Like tweeted us, like keeping Carlson or tweet at uh, Amato underscore Mike with your Logan Couture trades. So I think it would be interesting to try to move him at this point. Um, another hot streak of a guy that might be available to you in your fantasy leagues. Actually, I'll throw a couple at you here uh, just to move things along. On the Rangers, Philip Heedle is really on a bender right now on this, uh, you know, kid line with Lafreniere and Kako and Heedle's the one that's scoring the goals. That makes him the most interesting. And he's now got like five points in his last three games and four of them are goals. So I'm, I'd be curious to know if you think there's any chance this is sustainable. He's still only 23 years old, not getting like the best deployment, like second power play, but some of that has a somewhat high pedigree, right? Like people always talk about Laugh and Kako with their like first and second overall draft stocks, but Heedle's a first round pick also. You know, 21st overall, but still there's been a lot of great players that have gone there. And then I guess uh, another former first round pick that's hot right now is Max Domi over in Chicago, who he's like really interesting right now because he's on a five game point streak, but he hasn't been playing with Patrick Kane. Like they, uh, Chicago in the last couple of games moved Kane with Jason Dickinson as his center. And I saw a quote from Patrick Kane after the last game where they got destroyed by Edmonton, but I guess he still was in a good mood because he was saying how he's like really enjoying playing with Jason Dickinson and like Dickinson is like, opening up room for him. I don't remember the exact quote, but something about how he likes how Dickinson's like, I guess like whatever, taking care of the center of the ice. So Kane and all that to say Domi, even with his hot streak, it's like how good, like it's hard to imagine he'll be able to keep this up if he's not playing with Patrick King. Cause there's not really anyone else to play with. Uh, but at the same time, he's on the power play. So yeah, maybe we could even compare them like a Filipino or a Max Domi, both on hot streaks uh, in different situations. Maybe not with the best line mates are either of them interesting to you right now. Uh, definitely Heedle is interesting. I wrote about him this morning in my column, actually. I, I kind of identified him as maybe a, a target because, again, he's got the, got the good schedule. I think the Rangers got four games, um, like, like sort of in the second week of the, the next matchup. I think I kind of had him and, uh, not to get sidetracked, but like Adam Henrique, too, in a, in a similar vein. Um, again, good schedule. He's been on a really good good run, too. But, yeah, I like Heedle a lot. Um, I think he's a, he's a good option in the short term, you know, He's really clicking right now. He's uh, still, you know, second power play unit. It's, it's not the worst, but at least it's something there for him. Um, that that second line for the Rangers is actually been playing pretty well lately. Also, I like his options there. Um, and like I said, great schedule. So I'd probably take a chance on him if you need somebody um, coming up here. And he's, I think he's very low roster too. I want to see it was like 13% or 79 Yahoo, something like that. Um, quite low. And uh, yeah, Domi, another interesting one, probably. I don't like him as much as Heedle just because, as you said, who's he really going to play with in Chicago? Um, maybe if you're in a multi-cat league, he's a little bit more appealing. You know, I think he got uh, he had the old, like, 17 minutes of penalties the other night, which can always swing a, mm-hmm. swing a category for you sometimes. Um, I think he is also maybe three, three forward uh, position eligible, if I'm not mistaken, in Yahoo, which is, which is always a benefit. Um, so, yeah, he's got some some things like that, I think. Maybe that that goal for him as well. Uh, Dolan, if you're looking for a little bit more category coverage, he might be an option too. 
Yeah, okay. So Hedl first, but Domi maybe potentially. And who knows? Like Chicago could always change their lines back. Though it seems like Kane likes playing with Dickinson, yeah. like I said. Okay, let's end with a, uh, just a couple cold streaks here of some guys. Maybe you can let people know if like they should be nervous or if they should just chill, enjoy the All-Star break, and these guys will bounce back afterwards. I guess we have to start in Montreal with Nick Suzuki, who just continues to do like absolutely nothing. It's it's definitely getting concerning. His line mates have been... Uh, you know, one of the guys you were asked about, Josh Anderson, uh, and Rem Pitlick. And it's like pointless in three, but you know, then he had an assist versus Toronto before that pointless in two. So it's basically like one point in his last six games. The Montreal his line mates look terrible. Montreal looks terrible. Like they couldn't score against Ottawa. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, uh, is he someone that you just have to grin and bear it and just like hold him for the rest of the year because he's Nick Suzuki and he could potentially get hot at any time? Or would he actually be someone that you would consider dropping for like, you know? one of these guys, I don't know, like a Cody glass or a, you know, like obviously a streaming spot where you're just like going for the next hot thing. Like is Nick Suzuki approaching that territory where you have to consider letting him go or would you just hold him? I would say if you are in a non-keeper league, like a one-year league and yeah, like we mentioned earlier, you're kind of on the fringe of the playoffs and you're desperate. Yeah. I think you could consider it just because though Cole Caulfield there, I don't really see a path forward where Suzuki's going to, really return to anything like we used to from him this season. Um, it's funny because like Kirby Doc actually got moved to another line as well. And he's actually been pretty steady lately, uh, surprisingly. So I thought he would fall off too, but he hasn't really fallen off like Suzuki has. Because um, those who are really clicking that line of Caulfield, uh, Doc and Suzuki is really playing well. So yeah, I think like it's been, like you said, Montreal is really bad. They're not looking great. Um, desperate times call for desperate measures. If you're fighting for for your life in your league, you know, you might have to make a move and, and take a chance on something. Yeah, it's uh, it's been rough. And yeah, with Caulfield out for the season, it doesn't seem like there's any like reinforcements coming in or any reason to think that things can get a lot better. Like Suzuki's just gonna have to like maybe if he could honestly, it's like Doc is playing with Hoffman and Dodonov, who really like aren't players that have moved the needle for a while. But at this point, like I wish as someone with Suzuki, I wish that I could have those line mates instead of Anderson and Rem Pitlick. But I guess either way, it's going to be tough for anyone to like produce sustainably on Montreal. So I think I'm with you that maybe it's going to be time to move on soon, if not already. Because yeah. Montreal, another one of those weak schedules. They play once next week against Ottawa. So maybe they'll get shut out by Anton Forsberg again. And then they're going to have to wait all the way till the following Saturday. So it's really worth it holding Nick Suzuki just for that. Um, yeah. Another cold streak of a guy who generally has been like given reason to be more worthy of waiting on is Travis Konechny, who just like, I, I mean, I just have to bring him up because we were drooling over him a few episodes ago, talking about how he's been one of the biggest surprises of the season. Like anyone, we looked at some stats in the cup full and it was like anyone who's drafted Konechny, like is like, has a very high chance of being in a playoff spot currently, just because you got such great value with such a low pick. And all of a sudden, I, almost like maybe since we talked about him, I, I hope I didn't jinx him, but yeah, he's pointless in four games. I think it's probably just a blip, but I wanted to ask a, an expert opinion here. Like, is there any reason to be nervous about Konechny? Was he like overperforming and now he's like hitting a wall? Or do you think this is fine? Like after the All-Star break, he'll get back to being the point per game guy that he was before. Yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Um, I, I think like he's actually, yeah, like you said, really good value given I think how uh, most people thought the Flyers were going to end up this year. And, and I, I don't think they're great, but I think they've actually had a lot of fantasy relevant players, which um, surprised me a little bit. Um, so I think Connect Neil will probably get back on track here. And again, I think he's potentially also one of those players that could be moved at the deadline. Um, 
that maybe gets a boost if he if he ends up with, with somewhere. I've, I've kind of heard his name kind of here and there, but I don't, again, who knows if it's actually going to happen, but, you know, there's the small upside there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not too overly concerned with him. Man, like, I don't know, like, if Philly trades connecting, that'd be like wild. Like, he's like their best player. It seems like he still has three more years left on a pretty reasonable contract. That would really be signaling that we're just like going to tank for a while. Uh, like yeah again i don't know if it's gonna happen but yeah if they are gonna go in that direction like i don't know how many people would be safe on that roster like it's it's there's not a lot of talent there right and, you know if you have a chance i guess to get regard this is probably the year you know you're gonna want to go all in on taking like you're definitely not gonna want to be like next year you know what yeah we should probably tank now like if you're even thinking it's gonna come to that like this is probably the year to do it so yeah no it's a good point uh, though right now Carter Hart is not helping them get Bernard because he just had a really awesome game versus Winnipeg. So yeah, Hart. I guess overall he's also had a couple of bad games recently. Like he obviously doesn't get a lot of support there, but it's pretty impressive what he's been able to do. I'd love to see one day Hart play on a different team, either an improved Philly team or just a different team, kind of like John Gibson. I'd like to see what he could do on yeah. a good team. Faye Melka is another one. I I feel like he could be really awesome if he got an opportunity on a good team. So yeah, that's what. Uh... That's what goalies, yeah. You don't want a good goalie when you're trying to tank. That's for sure. I remember the Leafs had to trade uh, Reimer the year they were trying to get Matthews because he was just playing too many games for them. So they ended up trading him. Uh, right. But I don't think Philly's going to trade Carter Hart. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not ideal when you're trying to try to lose games. Yeah, they could just tell him, hey, don't you think you have a bit of like a tweak? Maybe you should sit. Maybe you should go on LTIR. I don't know. <laughs> Want to get yeah, we're gonna give surgery. Sandstrom a uh, look here for ten games. You know? yeah. Though Erson was actually doing pretty good. They'd oh, have to also great. figure. They'd have to figure out a way to get him out of the picture too. So yeah. Okay, a couple more cold streaks to uh, finish this things off here. This one I think might be pretty easy, but I just wanted to get it on record here. David Perron has like just been doing nothing for a while now on Detroit. This was like a high pedigree. Well, you know, like a free agent signing, like it was looking like he could fit in really well, play with Larkin potentially he was coming off a 70 point pace season with St. Louis and 85 point pace season the year before. So it was looking really good there, but yeah, now he's pointless in five. His deployment has been shaky. He's not shooting too much. It would be really hard for me to be holding on to David Perron right now. I know Brian dropped him in his couple divisions. So I just want to know if you would, if you have any reason to believe he'll be worth holding or if he's a safe drop for now. Yeah, I can't I can't say he's worth holding. He's definitely like been a bit of a disappointment because you mentioned the point paces. If you actually I remember looking at him in the preseason when I was doing my my uh, rankings, like if you go back six years, like he's had crazy point paces for like the last six years, like really good. And every year I kind of I kind of don't look at him as like a super valuable guy. And then I look at his point paces and I'm like, oh man, he's a really strong player for fantasy. And then of course this year, you know, when one year, I think everyone started leaving the hype in him and, you know, he goes to Detroit and they have kind of like a, looks like a really potent top six. Yeah. He just kind of, I seemed to fallen off and uh, maybe it's just his age is getting up him a little bit too, but yeah, I don't know. Some of those Detroit players this year, I've really run hot and cold. You know, I know Raymond was really struggling early in the year. He's just picked it up lately. You know, Cider was like almost non-existent for the first couple of months. Um, so yeah, I think it's just sort of uncertain to kind of fall into that downspin but he's definitely not one um like the others that you're going to want to hang on to so better options out there yeah, it's like, 
Yeah. So maybe like obviously if you drop Peron, like watch him. You know, you could always try to get him back, but I don't think people are going to be clamoring for him. And then maybe uh, the last one, which is the, maybe the most interesting. What did people do with Eric Gustafsson over in Washington? He was like so hot for a long stretch and looking like like a you know a league winning free agent ad after John Carlson got injured, uh, and then all of a sudden he's been still on the top power play like today. He played four minutes and 20 seconds on the power play for Washington, uh, but he didn't get a point. Uh, Washington got creamed by Toronto five to one. And now that's, uh, what is this here? Like oh, only one assist in his last se- seven games, like two assists in his last nine games. Like it's really just been nothing for Eric Gustafsson, but he's, you know, it's hard to recommend dropping someone in such a good spot. But, you know, let's say if you have, like we talked about Jake Sanderson earlier on, or I talked about like Owen power with Jeremy on, on the previous episode, like some of these like second power play guys who are starting to produce, maybe have a higher pedigree. Like I, I just, I'm just curious to know is like, I could definitely see an argument that Eric Gustafson is just someone you have to hold while he's on the top power play. Cause the upside is always there, but he also is Eric Gustafson and it's, he's definitely not generally been someone that you need to hold in any league ever since he had that one good year in Chicago. Yeah, that, like I probably got more questions about him than any other player this week for the mailbag. Just should I drop him? Can I drop him now? Tell me I can drop him. <laughs> like, but I think, please, yeah, like you said, he's in a great spot. Like, and Carlson's not going to be back anytime soon, right? So you got to figure he's going to come out of it at some point. But yeah, he's just really been struggling, and I think that's what concerns me. Like you mentioned, he's only had the really one strong offensive season, so it, it's not like there's a huge body of work you can look back on to to say you got to hold this guy. But yeah, what a tear he went on um, earlier in the year. So I don't know. Maybe I'd give him like a couple more games just to see if he can get going. But yeah, he's definitely waiting into that drop. That drop turn. Yeah, I think I might just go and re-record some audio and drop it into some episodes from like a month ago. Just being like, now would be a really great time to try to trade Eric Gustafson while he's on this. I wish I said that, right? I would have sounded really smart, but I'm pretty sure I was just saying like, hang on and be happy because he's in such a good spot. But yeah, he's totally disappeared. But yeah, it would be hard for me to drop him at this point, especially if you're doing well, right? And even if you're not, like, I just feel like, who are you dropping him for? Like, I, I... yeah, I am into Jake Sanderson. I don't know. Maybe that's something to consider, but you have a lot higher upside with uh, with with Gustafsson for sure on the top power play. Okay, so Mike, this has been so fun. The time has flown by, but I guess we've gone through the whole long list of topics that I wanted to discuss. Clearly, everyone realizes that you're an expert in fantasy. Like, Hopefully, they already know about your work from before just listening to this episode. But for those that aren't following everything you do, you want to just let people know how they can keep up? Uh, yeah, for sure. Just follow me on uh, Twitter um, at Amato underscore Mike. And yeah, uh, check out Goalie Post for your starting goalie needs. And uh, you can always read my work at Sportsnet. Fantasy Hockey Mailbag comes out Friday and 20 Fantasy Thoughts on Sunday. And if people want to like, ask you questions for the mailbag, I guess just tweeted you at Amato Mike. Yeah, that's it. I usually throw a tweet out there uh, Wednesday asking for questions. You can always respond, ask any questions. And yeah, I do a Saturday Q&A as well all season where you can just ask me questions about your team um, in general or what you want to start, sit for the weekend. Any any questions really, I'm always available. Yeah, well, it says right on your Twitter profile that you care about people's fantasy teams. So clearly you're just here to help. Probably too much, but yes, I do. (laughs) <laughs> all right well I, I really appreciate you being here this has been such a fun episode i'm sure the listeners are really going to enjoy it uh for everyone listening obviously we appreciate you uh tuning into another episode of, of keeping carlson uh thanks to i guess i'll read these credits that brian usually reads uh so i guess i'll cue the outro music 
Okay, so that's playing right now. Thanks to uh, Kevin A. Bear for all the great work he's doing running our Keeping Curls Ultimate Fantasy League. Thanks to Shams for all the great work he's been doing on GameDayTweets.com, retweeting up a storm. Lewis came up with a nickname for Shams, but now uh, let's see if I can find that super quickly. Rockstar of the Retweet is uh, something I think Lewis is going to try out soon on an upcoming show. So for whatever that's worth, it, he's doing amazing work. Uh, definitely uh check out brandonweeb.com they made our logos our outro music is by pat roach uh and uh, obviously like michael amato said just check out the his great work follow him on twitter go to goalie post read his articles on sportsnet thank you so much again michael thanks everyone we'll be back with some more content this week we've got short shifts coming up and then we're going to do brian and i have a special plan for the mega show next sunday because there's not going to be a lot of action to discuss and we're definitely not going to be doing a deep dive into the all-star game mike do you have plans to like do any fantasy analysis for the all-star game and impacts of who did well and who didn't Uh, absolutely not (laughs) yeah I don't even know if I'm going to watch it. I'll be too busy uh, looking forward to my future fantasy week. So yeah, thanks again. See you, everyone. And uh, I guess while you're enjoying the all-star break, remember to try to do your best to make it that fantasy hockey is for everyone.